I really like to meet new people too now. Um, it's something that I really enjoy to do, but I didn't always like meeting new people. Um, and I think that it actually started when we were young. Do you have any Italian people who are here? Italian people? Okay, so you'll sort of be able to identify with me. Everybody else, just try to do your best to follow along with my story. I remember growing up that whenever we would go over to somebody, to a, a new person's house, right? Like my parents would get invited to go to somebody's house and they wouldn't know them and it would be our first time. And there was this general rule, and I'm pretty sure this is an Italian-wide rule, where no matter how thirsty, how bad you have to go to the washroom, or how hungry you are, you are never, ever allowed to ask for those things. Is anybody familiar with those things, right? I can remember like having extreme cotton mouth or my throat was literally so dry it was closing on me. I've passed out on the floor and I'm still not allowed to get a glass of water. And I think that, you know, that is one of the reasons why when I was younger, I didn't like meeting new people. I remember there could be like this spread of cake and cookies and there could be all these things that you could eat and, you know, this beautiful cake that has just been sliced and you are salivating at the mouth and no matter how badly you wanted to eat this cake, you were not allowed. And if you tried to reach for it, you'd get the under the table pinch on the leg, right? That's, I think that's a mom's specialty, the under the leg pinch. It's like somehow they get just the right amount of fat and it burns. And um, what, I, what I realized was, and, and it, when I was young, I didn't get this, but I, I realized as I grew up, because you know, I'm a lot like this now, is, is you really don't know how people are going to respond. And so as a result of that, you don't want to overstep and so you don't ask for things, even though most likely, I'm sure if I was to go to your house, whether I knew you or not, you'd give me a glass of water. Um, and so, you know, growing up and not being able to like eat in people's homes, it kind of changed me and it really caused me to start to think about relationships and think about uh, uh, starting new relationships and eventually maybe think about God. And, you know, maybe, you know, you might think that it's funny with me talking about, you know, not being able to eat a piece of cake at somebody's house and somehow relating that to my relationship with the Lord. But I think that sometimes in our relationships with God, we can feel that way, right? Or maybe it's a new relationship, right? Everybody, you know that new relationship feeling? It's like the new car smell. You know, it's here only for a little while and then it's gone and you could never get it back, right? And I think about that in relationships. You know, when you're at first and you're dating, it's real awkward and you're real nervous and, you know, you make sure you put deodorant on and, you know, you got your clean clothes on. And then after a while, right, it doesn't even matter. I can't remember the last time I put deodorant on because it just doesn't matter to me anymore. <laughs> and so I think about those things in relationships and I realize there's such a distinct difference between having a relationship with someone that you really know versus having a relationship with somebody that you don't know. And so I was thinking about this and, you know, whether or not, you know, you've been on a new relation, you've been in a new relationship, whether or not you're, you got the pinch from your mom under the table, I think that each and every one of us can identify with this feeling of being in a new relationship and kind of the jitters that you experience inside of a new relationship. And I'm thinking about it uh, in, in the sense of how much different is it when you go to a friend's house? You know the difference? Like, you know when you go to a good friend's house? I think about that with my grandma's house when we were young. My grandma's house was not my house, but for some reason I thought that it was my house. My very first thing that I would do, I have this bad habit of when I go into somebody's house, like my parents' house, for example, I'm like that. The very first thing that I want to do is I want to go in their fridge, right? I don't know why. I may not even be hungry. I probably could have eaten five minutes ago, but my first response is to go into their fridge. And I remember that growing up, that when there were people who you were comfortable with, you just acted differently. You know, you kick your feet up on the couch, you know, you go into their cupboards and you eat their food. You do different things 
when you have a close-knit relationship with somebody. Um, and I think that as I'm thinking about this and as we're talking about this, just the importance of having this relationship with God, how important it is for each of us to live inside of this place. Because I think that the very worst thing that we could experience as Christians is that we would come to church all the time and we would know all of the things about God and we would know all the promises of God and all the things that God wants to do in our life. And in knowing all of those things, we would experience none of them. It would be like having a, somebody like my grandma and having her fridge just be, you know, open to me and I could do whatever I want. But because I never allow myself to enter into that relationship, I never reap the benefits of all the good things that grandmas always have. And so as I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking about Jesus and, and realizing that the very reason, and I love what Blake said when he came on Sunday, was that Jesus died and he crossed the divide for us, right? He wasn't expecting us to make up any distance. He made up the difference in himself. And, and through that picture, I see very clearly how desperate he is to be in a relationship with me and how when we look at New Testament principles, we realize very simply that the majority majority of Christian principles are founded and based on and in this place of relationship with Jesus. And I think that sometimes if we aren't careful, it could kind of be one of those things that we put on the back burner, you know, because there's important things like developing faith for finances, you know, because we all want that. Or, you know, my, my physical body is in trouble and so I need to get into that place. And so sometimes we can overlook this very foundational thing. But as we're going to speak a little bit about tonight, I think that or at least I'm hoping that what's going to happen is we realize that as we talk about breakthrough, it's like, yes, we're going to talk about confession, and yes, we're going to talk about walking by faith, and yes, we're going to talk about, you know, having a life that's full of hope and being around, but yes, we're going to talk about all those things. But the foundation, as we talk about getting a breakthrough, the very foundation of that is we must live inside of a relationship with Jesus. I want to give you some good news this morning when I tell you that, that you should have a relationship with Jesus, that there is nothing stopping you from being able to have a relationship with Jesus. That like I said, he crossed, he did all the difficult work. He did all the challenging stuff. He went to the cross, he died for us. And all we have to do is take the time and spend the time in investing inside of our relationship with him. And I think that this is really what Paul writes about in Romans chapter eight. He writes about this place that, he's letting us know, actually, I'll read it first. It says this, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You know, when I read this scripture, it paints a very vivid picture for me. It paints a picture of a God who's not this far off, distant God living somewhere out in the cosmos. It paints a picture of a God who's not indifferent or a God who's not uh, insecure. It paints a picture of me of a God who's not disinterested in my life, but it paints a very clear picture of, of maybe like the scripture calls him father or brother. It paints this picture where I could call him my best friend, where he was willing to absolutely give everything that was necessary in order for me to experience the life that he and I both knew that we were supposed to live that he is the one who gave it all. He literally laid down his life 
so that I could be free. And when I know him and when I'm in relationship with him, what I see is, is that his breakthrough nature, his world-changing nature is also the nature that God has put on the inside of me. That sometimes what can happen is, is the world can highlight on our failures, but Jesus highlights our successes. The world can point out all the areas where we've missed it or where we come up short, but in our relationship with Jesus, he highlights how amazing and how uniquely blessed we are. And so sometimes what can happen to us is we can forget that the very man who created us desires to be in relationship with us and put us into a place where we can live this amazing life of breakthrough all the time. And so I see this very simply that as we talk about this area of breakthrough and understanding breakthrough, that having a relationship with the one who gives the breakthrough is crucially important. That God is the one who gives us the breakthrough. And so it would, it, it would be wise of us, I think, to understand that if he's the one who's giving me the breakthrough, then my place should be where I want to get to know him as best as I possibly can. If I'm looking for breakthrough, I'm not going to look to any other source than the one who's going to give me the breakthrough. I'm going to go to the one who has the breakthrough so that I can get the breakthrough from the one who created the breakthrough. Is this making sense? And so when I understand this concept of breakthrough, I realize that yes, breakthrough is in the principles. And yes, God set about amazing principles that we can live by in order to attain them. But I can't have those without relationship. I can't have them without relationship. And as I was thinking about this, I, I, I began to think about, so what is it in my life that relationship changes? Because we all know that relationship changes a lot of things, right? Like I married my wife and I married her. Well, I married her because she's hot. But I also married her because I have a great relationship with her, right? And I realized very simply that relationship changes a lot of things in our life. And as I began to think about this and think about what does my relationship with God change? And the very first thing that I thought about was that when I have a relationship with God, I see things through God's perspective, right? How many of you are thankful that we don't have to just live based off of our own perspectives? How many of you are thankful that when everybody else is saying it's bad, that you could go to somebody who says it's good, right? That we don't have to live according to the world's way of thinking or the world's way of doing things, but we can prescribe to a higher reality, the Jesus reality, and I'm thankful for that. And so that's the very first thing that I realize about relationship is that I, when, I, when I'm in relationship with God, it's literally like I give my perspective to him and I receive his perspective for me. And so that's what I'm looking for because I want to see things from God's perspective, right? I mean, you don't have to go too far. You don't have to face too many problems. You don't have to go through too many failures to realize that if we are destined to live according to our own perspectives, our own perceptions, or our own abilities, I don't think there's anybody here that would really think that our life would really go that far right? Because the reality is, is that as human beings, it's kind of like we're programmed to need God, right? I'm kind of convinced of that, that I'm programmed in uh, so many areas of my life to see my shortcomings so that my shortcomings lead me to my Savior, yeah. right? Yes? Aren't y'all happy for Jesus, right? And so I, I think that I realize these things is that I, wa I, I want to see things from God's perspective, and I don't want to be limited to my own, because one of the things I've realized from being in relationship with God and talking to him about my problems is that God is wildly confident in his ability to be successful, right? Like wildly confident. You know, I realized this, that I've never had a problem 
and I've taken that problem to God, and God started to freak out about my problem. Right? You ever have that before? Like, you're in your prayer closet, and you're praying, right? And you're like, Lord, I need you to help me with this. And he's like, you know, comes back, and he's freaking out with you, right? Or he's like, Jesus, you need to get over here. We got a serious problem happening, right? Nobody has ever experienced that before. It's never happened because God is wildly confident in his own ability to be successful, and so when I think about dealing with things, and when I think about breakthrough, right? Because the whole reason we're trying to break through is we're trying to break through into something good, which means currently I'm in something that's not good, or else I wouldn't need to break through into something that's good. And so I want to trade my perspective for his perspective, because I don't want to be limited by the fact that everything around me maybe is telling me that nothing can ever change. I think the world loves to try to tell us those things. The world loves to try to tell us it's impossible. It can't happen. It can never change. I'm sorry. It's just, this is the end. They love giving us these things, but God is so amazing in his ability to, in just a moment of relationship with him, change our perspective. Where we thought it was impossible for anything to change. One moment in relationship with God. One word. You ever have that before where you go into your prayer closet and you're just freaking out? And it's like, you think there's no possible solution that God could ever give me anything in order to make this better. Absolutely not. It could never change. And then you get one moment in God's presence. Maybe he just tells you one word, or maybe you have this one quick emotion, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, like I can do this, right? Don't you just love that about worship when you go into a worship session, that you can walk into it and be, feel like your life is literally falling apart. There's nothing good about me. And by the first five minutes, you can be rejoicing and shouting because I don't know what's good, but I know something is good, right? And that's the amazing part about having a relationship with God is that if nothing else, in the midst of trials and the midst of difficulty, he gives hope to the hopeless, right? The Bible says that, that he's, he's the father to the fathers. He's hope to the hopeless, but he's the answer that we're looking for. And so God's perspective makes him big and it makes my issue small. That's one of the things I love as I talk to him, as I realize, you know, I do that. I, I preached this message, uh, it was a long time ago, and I've been doing this thing over the last little while where, you know, you breathe in, you know, Christ in me, I am enough. You know, Christ in me, I am enough, right? It's like the breath. Christ in me, I am enough, right? And in that moment and in that place, what I'm doing is I'm reminding myself, God, you're so big and in comparison to that, my problem is so small, right? And that's what God perspective does for us, is it changes the way that we think about things. It changes the way that we see things. It takes impossible and turns it into something that we believe that God can do. And it puts me in a place where now, because of this hope, because I'm in this place, I'm able to receive a breakthrough. The second thing that relationship does, and I think this is just important as the first thing, is relationship teaches me how I am and how God sees me. I think this is so important. And, you know, in getting to do different things of inner healing and walk people through things, I think one of the biggest things the enemy loves to try to do is he tries to make us feel like we're less than who we actually are right? He tries to make us feel like we're not smart enough, we're not good enough, we're not skilled enough. He tries to make us feel like we're a failure, that we're never going to amount to anything, that we're going to die alone, right? And that we're going to be poor. You know, it's one of those things, right? Ten things, right? We can fix the world if we can solve those ten problems, right? He does this because he tries to discredit our, our position in Christ, our value to Christ, right? And I was thinking about that in, in just in, in different things. And it would be like if I would to get, take this cup of water, and I, or it's actually coffee, delicious black coffee. And I was to say to Garth, right, like, 
Garth, this is a cup of coffee, and I'm going to sell it to you for $1 million, right? He'd probably have that response, right? He'd laugh at me, and he'd say, no way, there's no way that this half a cup of half-drank coffee is worth a $1 million, right? But if I turned around and I said to Garth, Garth, this isn't just a cup of coffee. This is a cup of coffee that in it possesses the fountain of youth, right? See, there you go. Exactly. Perfect. Boom. Good job. We practiced that before. No, we didn't. But this is the thing is that all of a sudden, something that didn't have value now had value because, and, and the way that I see that is initially, <clears throat> Garth was, would have laughed at the million dollar price, right? Million dollar price tag, no way, it's a half a cup of coffee. But because all of a sudden the value of this coffee changed, now Garth would be willing to pay a very high price for this item. When I think about this, and I think about this scripture of what it said in Romans chapter eight, it says this, that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. You know, as I began to think about this, I began to realize something, that God is not dumb. Can we get, we cool with that? Am I going to say that? Like, God is not dumb, right? In order for him, like, Jesus was a very high price to God, right? We know that, like, like John three sixteen, right? We know that this was his only begotten son. This was his boy, right? It's like me and my dad. I'm his boy, right? Well, sometimes he maybe would want to, you know, <laughs> slice me, right? But most of the time, let's just say, you know, he's happy with me. And because I'm his only son, he, I'm very valuable. I'm, I'm really over seven here. Like, that's it, right? This is good. I got control. I got the mic, right? So it's like, yes. And my dad told me he's going to give me his truck, right? And it's like, I can pretty much say whatever because it doesn't matter because he's back there. Anyways, so we realized that Jesus in, in God's life was very valuable. And as I began to think about this concept, that Jesus was super valuable to God. And there's actually another scripture in the Bible where it says that it pleased God to bruise Jesus. And as I began to think about these scriptures and let them mull over in my mind, I realized something, that Jesus was a very high price, but if it said that it pleased God to do that to Jesus, how much value does that mean that I have? I mean, I think that sometimes the way that I can think of it myself is that I'm a half-drank cup of lukewarm coffee, right? Sometimes that's the way we think about ourselves, right? We don't have a lot of value. You know, why would God care about us? God doesn't care about my breakthrough. He doesn't care about the things that I care about. He's too busy. He's out there, and he's big, and I'm small. We can think a lot of negative things about ourselves. But when I'm confronted with this reality in Romans chapter 8, where I realize something very specific that God actually wanted, it was like he was making an investment. He saw what he was about to get back, and so he said, that thing that I'm about to get back is worth the price right? And so I think that when I'm in relationship with God, what it does to me, and as I spend time with him, it reminds me of my value to him. This is why it says uh, in, in Hebrews 4.16, it tells me this, that I'm to come boldly before the throne of grace, right? I mean, you have to think about this. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and this scripture is telling me that I'm to come boldly. How much does that speak about me? right? I'm not just some peasant, you know, some lowly guy living somewhere in the kingdom, but his children are the ones who get to come in boldly before the throne. His children are those people. And as I see those things, and as that becomes my reality, I realize that the very breakthrough that I'm crying out for, God wants to give me the breakthrough more than I want it myself. 
And so I see that constantly as I'm in relationship with the Lord is it reminds me that I'm not fighting on my own. I'm not trying to get this done on my own. I'm not doing this on my own, but God is with me and he desires this breakthrough for me even more than I desire it for myself. And when I have relationship with God, what I develop faith now in something that I know. I develop faith in not just an idea, not just a book, not just in a church somewhere, but I'm developing faith in someone that I know. Something, you know, I think about this, right? Like, let's say ice cream. It would be like, again, if I go to Garth and I say, you know, Garth, he'd never had ice cream before. And I go to Garth and I'm like, oh man, Garth, ice cream is so good. It's literally the best thing that I've ever eaten, okay? Which is pretty much true, okay? Now, because Garth, had, he doesn't have a relationship with ice cream the way that I have it, he's not really going to put much stock in the fact that I told him that ice cream is the best thing ever, okay? Now, how much different is it when I take Garth with me and we go to an amazing ice cream place and he now experiences ice cream for himself, right? How much better is it? Or it's like if you try to go and read a story about somebody or I write a letter to you and you had never met me. You're not going to trust me based off of a letter. Just because you know about me from a piece of paper somewhere doesn't mean that you're going to trust me. But when you get to know me, you spend time with me, you get in a relationship with me, what? now all of a sudden I realize something. I realize I can trust this God, not because somebody told me I could trust him, but I trust him because I know him. I trust him because I've tested this. I trust him because I've proved this. I trust him because we've walked through some things. I trust him because we've gone through some battles. I trust him because he was faithful last time. I trust him because he did it last time. What? I know something, and now my faith is grounded. It's rooted and grounded in something more than just knowing about God. I actually know him. You see, this is where we are in this place of breakthrough. This is where we realize that I can't live my life based off of somebody else's experience. I can't live my life based off of somebody else's revelation. I may know God and Brad may know God, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to mean anything to Theo. That's why a relationship, and Theo has a great relationship with the Lord, so I'm not saying that he doesn't, right? <laughs> Just an example. But this is where we are in this place of breakthrough, and if I can encourage you with anything, it would be over this next month, Yes, we're going to give you tools, and yes, we're going to give you tips, and yes, we're going to give you tricks and ideas, and we're going to give you the one, two, threes, and the four, five, six, and the A, B, C, D, E, and F, so that you can go home and do those things. But never let them be in the place of relationship, because in order to trust God, we have to know that we know him. What? I got to know that he's with me. I got to know that he's for me. I got to know that he loves me. I got to know that he's my father. I got to know that he went a great length to save me. I got to know that he would do it again. And when I know those things and I trust those things, what now the door of breakthrough opens up for me. Amen. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for just this night. Lord, this amazing night of family. It's so wonderful that we get to spend this time together. Lord, I'm thanking you, God, that, that your word says, Lord, even as we shouted and we praised this in this morning, your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people and that sometimes we can overcomplicate relationship and sometimes we can make it seem like a relationship is harder or more challenging than it is. But Lord, you are, you're there like, as we open up our mouth and as we just sing your praises, as we speak your name, Lord, you said, there you are. Yes. And so we do that, Lord. We make you big in our life and we make our situation small. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.